Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause, rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Cole bennett Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescents, ours and theirs. Cara, we've been holding out on covering the topic of porn for a few reasons. One, because it's such a huge, daunting topic and it can feel overwhelming if you walk into a room and are like, hey, let's talk about porn. The proverbial room being the puberty podcast that we're all sitting on today. But secondly, we wanted to cover a lot of other foundational topics before we get to porn because a lot of what we're going to build on today, which is really an episode about the starter conversations adults can have with kids about porn in age-appropriate ways, a lot of those conversations require the building blocks of episodes we have already recorded, which include topics like how to talk to school-age kids, tweens, or teens about sex. And so what we're going to do today is give people guidance on how to get into those initial conversations about porn in a way that is appropriate for the age, for the maturity, for the development, for the understanding, for the context in which different kids are living. We will do other episodes about porn that cover the cultural implications, that cover the content of porn, that cover all the wide variety of issues that porn 
can involve, that's not today's episode. Today's episode is brass tacks, practical and tactical ways to talk to kids about porn. At every age. At every age. So should we start with the youngest kids? Yes. And by youngest kids, I don't mean three-year-olds when it comes to porn. No, I'm going to share a little story and anonymize it because it's a true... So, you know, we we really do share true stories on this podcast. Sometimes I feel like, really, that happened? But um, they're true. Really? You said that to someone? Yes. <laughs> Normally I did, and I'm sorry. Usually we are not the protagonist in the story. (laughs) But this is a true story, and it is a true story that has happened so many times that it's going to end up being a true mashup story. But the story goes something like this. My six or seven or eight-year-old was on an iPad or a phone or some handheld device in our family, oftentimes either a device that was used to help hardwire the house in a really modern, cool way. So to turn on the TV, to turn on music, whatever it is. And, you know, that kid had been sent to, yeah, you can queue up that movie yourself, use the phone remote and watch the movie, right? But then the phone is sitting there. Or sometimes it's, yes, you can use my device to go, do that educational game, wink, wink. But the six or seven or eight-year-old gets their hands on a device and ends up on a porn site. And the most common way parents find out about it is that they go to pick up the device at the end of the use. The kid's done playing the game and hands the device back or has watched the movie and hands the quote-unquote remote, which is the phone, back. And the parent turns on the device and there is the porn. That is the most common. The second most common is that the child actually comes to the parent and says, I saw this because they're trying to process it and they're trying to figure it out. But Vanessa, I can't count anymore the number of times that I have been called or emailed or DM'd with the exact same story, which is my six, seven, or eight-year-old has seen porn. And not just, you know, an image of a topless person, a bottomless person, like hardcore, violent, aggressive videos of people having sex. One of my kids was playing Club Penguin. Do Do you remember Club Penguin? Oh, yeah. Which is like, was it like a Disney game site that you could access on the computer, right? And you spent lots of money buying some version of points. On yeah, it? I don't know if it was Disney or Disney bought it, or I don't know if Disney even had an affiliation, but it was huge. And it, it was day. massive. It was, it was like MySpace and then Club Penguin <laughs> followed. That, that's the that's going to timestamp it for y'all. I think it must have been about a decade ago. It must have uh-huh. been about 10 years ago. So... My kid is having his 30 minutes of Club Penguin time and I'm sitting having a cup of tea, relaxing for the first time in like a century. And he like runs over and he's like, oh my God, I just saw somebody putting their mouth on someone else's penis while I was playing Club Penguin. I was like, "Eh." only in your house, Vanessa, (laughs) with the kid fully disclosed. (laughs) Because that's, that's not so typical, right? Well, because he 
I think if he had been looking around for it, he would have maybe not have told me. (laughs) We can get to the stories where they were looking around for it and didn't tell me. But because he knew he was innocently playing Club Penguin and somehow... It happened to him. Yes, it happened to him. And it was like so shocking. Like he was young enough that it was so shocking that someone would put their mouth on someone else's penis that he came to me and he didn't want to get in trouble. And he knew he wasn't like the active participant in what had happened. So he did come to me. So maybe we start there. Maybe we start with the scenario. Let's start there. Let's start with the kid who comes. We're talking about now grade school age kids. Let's start. Child number one discloses it to the parent. Vanessa, what are some sentences that parents can use in response in the heat of the moment? By the way, I shouldn't say parents. What are some sentences that the adult of the moment, because it might be a parent who's in the house, it might be a grandparent, it might be a babysitter, it might be a coach, it might be a teacher who the child chooses to disclose to. Give us something. It might have happened in school, sitting on Mm -hmm. a school-owned computer. That's right. So the first thing is, don't assume you know how they're feeling or how they're reacting. And don't tell them it's not a big deal. Because I have to tell you, if you're a seven-year-old and you've never seen a person put their mouth on someone else's penis or see someone put their penis inside someone else's vagina, it is a big deal. And it can be shocking. It doesn't mean they've done anything wrong. So you have to balance out not freaking out, but also not dismissing their reaction. So let's say your kid comes to you and says, oh my God, I just saw this thing. Uh, uh, What is going on? You can say, oh wow, how did that make you feel? Even if you're in your mind, you're like, I can't believe this. My baby has been ruined forever because they saw this thing. So ask them how they're feeling. They might be scared. They might find it funny. They might find it interesting. You have no idea how they're reacting. How do you feel about starting by thanking them for coming to you versus ending with that? Like, Where does that fit in? So it depends on the kid's energy, right? If the kid needs your reassurance about what they just saw, then start with kind of getting at how they're feeling. If your kid is freaking out, I'm not sure they can hear the thank you so much for coming to me. You might want to save that for the end of the conversation to kind of wrap things up and reassure them. If they like nonchalantly are like, hey, guess what I just saw? It was bananas. You can say, I'm so glad you came to me. What'd you think? But if your kid is like at a 10, you definitely want to like bring the temperature down a bit before you kind of like thank them for being so upfront. And you can also save it for another conversation, right? You can, if they're not open to it, you can come back to them the next day and say, I just want to thank you for coming to me and talking to me about that. Okay, can we... Is that a Natalie Merchant song? I just want to thank you. (laughs) Are you going to start singing? (laughs) Wait, can we just cover the, should you ask the kid to show you what they saw? Mm. So the problem with that is... Like, yes, you want to know exactly what they saw, particularly if they don't have the language to describe it to you, particularly if it's scary or violent or it's a bodily act that they like really don't have the words to describe. So on the one hand, yes, you want to know. On the other hand, once you're like searching for that stuff, you could end up in an avalanche of unasked for porn. 
on your device or computer. When, when I was writing the porn chapter for Decoding Boys, you <laughs> can cannot imagine, imagine search history. You cannot imagine my junk email inbox. Okay. Like I welcome, you know, vacuum and hairdryer sales pitches in my junk email these days because it was all porn solicitations because you get you do get marked with these cookies and it's important to know. Um, that's important to know. Okay, so can we pivot? I know we're not going too deep into these because these are really sort of starters, but can we pivot to the kid, the six, seven, eight-year-old who did not disclose and instead who saw porn, you didn't know, and then the device was handed back to you. And as you're, I don't know how many tabs you have open at any given time, but I have like 5,000. And sometimes I go in a furious sort of cleaning mode and just delete, delete, delete. And let's say that's how you find it. Or let's say you turn it on and it just pops up on your screen and it's right there. And the kid hasn't said anything to you. How do you handle that? So I'll give the response to that. And then the follow-on conversation applies to both scenarios about what you then then say. So if you realize that your kid has seen something, either gone looking for it or inadvertently been delivered up some version of porn, this is not the moment to re-litigate how they got to the porn in the first place. This is not the moment to accuse them of lying. This is not the moment to flip your lid about the fact that they've seen it because they have seen something that is not appropriate for someone their age and their development and their maturity to see. And your number one job, as hard as this is, is to calmly and non-judgmentally explain to them what they've seen while also letting them know that looking for this stuff, even if they didn't go looking for it, because they will swear to you they didn't go looking for it, is not appropriate for them. And then you can explain why. So even if the monologue inside your brain is screaming to get to the very bottom of the very truth of exactly how that particular tab came to be open on your computer, don't spend your time and energy on that issue. If you need to circle back later and put in new parental controls and new boundaries and new rules and new limits about how your kid engages with electronics... And you do. And you do. Do it later. The number one thing is to address the fact that your child has seen something that's really not appropriate for them to see and they might be scared they might be traumatized or just simply confused by what they saw. So unlike saying thank you to the kid who disclosed it, which may or may not fit the situation, it feels like this is one where the very first sentence almost always needs to be, you're not in trouble. You didn't do anything wrong, but I want to talk about what I found, right? Right. Because if you don't frame it that way, they can't hear the rest of the conversation because they're pretty sure they're in trouble. And if you don't think you can get that tone of voice, you can just record Cara saying that and you can play it for them because it doesn't sound, usually doesn't sound like that in my house as much as I try. Can you do the version? (laughs) Well, you're not in trouble. (laughs) Everything's fine. It's all okay. It's not a big deal. My daughter said to me the other day, she goes, 
God, mom, you've gotten like so good at your stern voice. You've really like mastered it over the last few years. I was like, thank you. I've had a lot your of Your disappointment voice. <laughs> yeah. Don't use your disappointment voice when I'm, you discover I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. <laughs> so channel Kara's inner calm and inner lack of judgment and start with that because that keeps the temperature low. If you spike then they spike and you cannot have a constructive conversation when everyone's mood is elevated. So start with that. And then you have to explain what they saw, both the aspect of it that has to do with porn and the fact that whatever they saw is most likely some kind of sexual act. So the number one rule when you talk about porn or anything else with kids, literally anything else, is define your terms. Any word you use has to be defined because you're only going to confuse them more if you say something like, well, porn is when people do sexual acts in front of a camera or on video. That's great. Except if you've never described sex or sexual acts, your kid's going to be like, I don't know what she's talking about. So make sure you define terms. Car, what's another kind of important rule of thumb? I think you want to identify when the child in the conversation is spiraling about trying to get out of a lie. Mm -hmm. I, I think you want to spare your child. So a very common scenario is a parent finds a device, the kid doesn't disclose, the parent goes to the kid says, you're not in trouble, but I want to talk about what I found. I found you know, pornography. Do you it know what pornography? Me. It wasn't Bingo. me. You can't even get to, do you know what pornography is? Do you know what sex is? Because they're so busy creating their alibi. And badly creating their badly. alibi. Badly. And there may be situations actually where it wasn't them. They care so much about you knowing it wasn't them, but it doesn't matter. It's an opportunity to have a conversation about porn. And so I think going into the conversation without being accusatory, I found this device and I opened it up and look what I found is not a helpful way of doing it. But by saying you're not in trouble, I opened this device. I saw, you know, the tab was open to a porn site and we need to talk about it. It wasn't me. You know what? Whether or not it was you, I realize we need to talk about it. So get the conversation, redirect the conversation away from the alibi and onto the porn, which is very important. One little side note is sometimes parents find this when they go through browser history. You know, sometimes the kids close the tabs. The older they are, the more likely they are to close the tabs. So for parents who are looking through browser history, that's where you'll find evidence. And that requires even more gentleness as you tow into it. Because, you know, your kids are going to be defensive. They have closed the tabs. They have realized what they're doing is not okay. And they want to hide the evidence. And so one way to get through that conversation, you're not in trouble. I found this because I look through the browser history to see what you're looking at online. It's part of my job in keeping you safe and healthy. Like you're not negotiating the fact that you looked. You're not negotiating the fact that you looked at browser history. You're not mad at the kid. 
But now we have something we need to talk about. Hey, it's Cara. We all know puberty isn't always easy. One of the trickiest pieces of the puberty puzzle is boobs. When will I get them? Why are they so tender? And why does every bra out there seem to pull, push, pad, itch, scratch, or be so flimsy it doesn't do a thing? That's where Umla comes in. It's a company that makes puberty comfortable, a company I founded with my friend Julie. When our own daughters began the puberty journey, we couldn't find a decent starter bra anywhere. So we made one. It fits perfectly whether boobs are just starting to bud or they've been growing for a few years. We call it the Umbra. And it's game-changing. The Umbra is made from buttery cotton that feels like second skin, ridiculously soft and so comfortable you'll forget you're wearing anything at all. Umbra's one-of-a-kind support comes from its patented layered design that creates gentle compression without any tight binding, which also means it doesn't need any bulky, awkward pads because it's built to seamlessly hide nipples and protect against those dreaded ouch moments throughout the day. Our daughters and their friends are done with puberty, but they still love and wear their umbras. It's why we say that the umbra may be your first bra, but it will definitely be your favorite bra. Come say hi, look around, and find your umbra, plus lots of other puberty info, at myoomla.com. That's M-Y-O-O-M-L-A dot com. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added Magnesium Breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky and I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. And it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, Magnesium Breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, Magnesium Breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at buyoptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is Factors Ready to Eat Meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our Factor Meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and 
out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, my kids love Magic Spoon cereal. And even though it's cereal, they actually love it as a homework snack. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And fruity is the favorite flavor in my house. Now, this pack has zero grams of sugar, between 13 and 14 grams of protein, and between four and five grams of net carbs per serving. It's made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and it's high in protein, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So a great choice, Vanessa. You can go to magicspoon.com slash puberty to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our, you guessed it, promo code puberty at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them. Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. And the next part of this conversation applies basically across the board to kind of school-age kids and early middle school kids. Yeah, so let's get to middle school. So, and if you haven't run into one of these scenarios where your kid has either accidentally come across porn and you know it, or they have purposely looked for some version of it, even just by Googling like boobs or penis, it can come up, meaning porn can come up. So regardless of how or even if they have been exposed to porn, our belief is by the age of around 10 years old, adults should have a conversation with kids about porn because we do know, and studies differ on the exact age, but we do know that the average age of exposure to porn for boys in this country is between 11 and 13 years old and girls aren't far behind. And we do not want their exposure to porn to define their understanding of sex, we want to be the ones to give them their foundational understanding of sex because we will do it from a loving and caring and informational way and not in a scary, confusing or traumatic way. Can I add in though that we want to give them the information, but we also feel just as strongly that kids write their own narratives of their own sexual trajectory. That, you know, one of the things that porn does is it tells 
the viewers what sex should look like, whether it intends to or not. That's what it does. And our hope as the adults in these kids' lives is that they are discovering what makes them feel good, what makes a partner feel good, what makes them feel connected to another person on their own, that they are writing the story of what sex looks and feels like, not someone else. So yes, we want a direct hand in the education and the information, but it's as important that they take ownership of the rest of it. And the exposure to porn at these really young ages robs them of that. So the ultimate goal is to get there before porn does. Yeah. I mean, think of it like a race and you want to win that race before porn does. It's like kind of a weird and lame analogy, but I think you get the point. It's not weird and lame because in a minute, we're going to get to the older kids and chances are, Vanessa, in those scenarios, if you haven't had the conversation yet, porn has won the race. And so now what do you do? So we're going to get there in a sec. So let's say you've got a 10-year-old who you're caring for and you want to have the porn conversation. We know it's stressful. We know it's intimidating. We know that your palms are sweaty and your heart is racing and your leg is bouncing and that is totally normal and understandable. So number one, find a way to have a conversation where you're not looking directly at each other. Go for a walk, do it while you're driving in the car. I once had a conversation with one of my kids while we were sitting side by side in lounge chairs on vacation which let's just say, (laughs) I have to ask him if he thought that was like a helpful or appropriate moment to have the conversation. But the point is eye to eye contact on a conversation like this is really tough. So do it while you're side by side. Which can, let me just interject, can be hard when something comes up. We're with our middle schoolers now, right? In this conversational thread and something pops up and it makes it somewhat urgently necessary for the porn conversation to happen. And sometimes you do need to start that conversation by looking at your kid and saying, hey, you're not in trouble, but this thing happened or I know this thing happened and we need to talk about it. That piece of the conversation can happen eye to eye. So it might be that that happens eye to eye and then you just take the initiative and start you know, let's take a walk and that's how you get out of the eye contact or let's go sit in your room and you just face a different direction. The other way is you start the conversation eye to eye, you pause the conversation and then you pick it up later, not eye to eye. So it's it's important sometimes to give yourself permission to shift the dynamic between you and the kid who's on the receiving end because there are going to be moments where you do want to really, I mean, I personally think it makes a big difference when you are pointing out something that you know, to have a moment of knowing eye contact. Yeah, I got you. Mostly just to reassure them. Mm -hmm. um, I got you. And to say, okay, we're all good here. Now we're going to move on to the meat of the conversation. Okay, I interrupted you. Go beyond using the strategy of not looking at each other. And then you have to go into the conversation. Like you can walk down the steps into the cold water of the pool or you can jump in. It depends on your personality. It depends on the kid's personality, what everybody feels most comfortable with. But like at a certain point, you got to get in the cold water. So it might sound something like, hey, you know what? I realized that at your age, I need to talk to you about porn 
and it's a pretty complicated topic. Have you ever heard the word porn? Or do you know what the word pornography means? Or is this something that's ever come up for you amongst your friends? Right? So it's not, have you ever seen porn? God damn it. Right? Sorry for those people for whom that's offensive. You know, it's not an accusatory shouting. It is a gentle kind of bringing up the issue, not personalizing it, not making it direct, and not assuming that they know what porn is. So it doesn't sound like, hey, dude, we're going to talk about porn because it's like really bad. Because they may not know what porn actually is. They may have heard the word. They might know it's quote unquote, a bad thing or a naughty thing, but they may not know what it is. So you have to find out, do they even know what it is? So that's step one. Have you ever heard the word? Does it sound familiar? Do you know what it means? Have your friends talk about it. And if they don't know what it means, if they say, yeah, I know what it is, then you say to them, oh, okay, what's your definition? Or how would you describe it, right? Not, you don't really know what it is. Come on. You want to give them some street cred. You want to give them some sense that what they think and know is valuable, but you also want to know what they know. So they're going to give you a definition. If they give you a definition and it's like mildly accurate, like, oh, it's two people having sex or it's a video you watch where like a guy's penis is out or some version of that, you can say, yeah, well, that's like part of it. Or yeah, like I'm going to add to your definition. You want to clarify what they know. You want to add to the definition. You want to make it as expansive as you can. What if they know nothing? Right. So if they know nothing or if they don't want to admit to knowing anything, but they might know some stuff, you want to start with a really basic sentence. And that sentence can sound something like, so porn is when people are doing something sexual in a photo, in a magazine, in a video, online. Cara and I play with the definition of porn all the time because it's not always paid. Porn can be free Actors, the people making porn aren't always being paid to do it. Sometimes it's just like, you know, amateur folks. A lot of times. A lot of times. Amateur. It's not always people, quote unquote, having sex, aka vaginal intercourse. It can be other kind of types of sexual acts. It's often or not always heterosexual sexual acts. It can be um, homosexual. It can be one person performing a sexual act. So, There's all sorts of caveats. Right. And it's not always, you know, we said at the top, it can be violent. It can be aggressive. This is true. And often free porn is mostly because over time, the websites that have both free and paid streams will want to pull in their customer base by offering the most sensational for free. And then they get you in behind a paywall. And then there's a whole variety. So there are a lot of people in the world who talk about porn that is not violent, is not misogynistic. And so we can't, it's not fair for us to put all of it in that bucket as well. I have to say, Vanessa, I had an experience. I spoke about porn several times over the course of a few months, probably in around 2018, 2019. And I was speaking with a large group of mostly parents at an evening talk. 
And at the end of my talk, I took questions. Must have been a couple of hundred people in the room. And one of the parents, and it was a dad, raised his hand and said, to the point of violent and misogynistic porn, there's better porn out there. There's safer, kinder, yes, how you want to model sex kind of porn out there. How do I deliver that kind of porn to my kid instead of them going and finding the violent and misogynistic porn? And it was a question that stayed with me for so long because on the one hand, I understand the desire to curate what your kids are going to see. And if they're going to see this and it's going to write the narrative of what it is to be sexually active for them, well, wouldn't you want them to see something that is closer to what you hope that they will end up doing in their life. But I think at the end of the day where I have landed with it and another parent raised their hand in response, and this is what they said. So this didn't come from me, but I have adopted this philosophy. They said, it is not our job as parents to curate the sexual evolution of our children. That yes, You want to steer your kids away from the really negative images, but you do not accomplish that by pointing them towards what you want them to see. You accomplish that by having conversations about why you're worried about this whole bucket of pornography that is violent or aggressive. And I think that gets to the next layer of comments about this topic, which is we give them some foundational information, right? We give them some information. So it's people performing sexual acts with someone else or on their own. And then you turn to them and you say, do you have any questions? Do you remember our conversation about sex? Can you describe to me what sex is? So you make sure they know what sex is. If something's happened and they've seen a blowjob, right? Then you want to say, hey, do you know what a blowjob is? If you listen to the episode where I famously discuss blowjobs with my son, you'll have a good explanation of blowjobs with an 11-year-old. But the point is, any term that you use, you want to find out if they know what the hell you're talking about. And you want to do that in a non-accusatory, non-judgmental way. And then you end with, this is not a 10-minute lecture. This is not a 20-minute lecture. This is not a forever. This is a five-minute conversation with an 11 or 12-year-old. And then you can say, you can always come to me. It's not appropriate for you to watch porn because we want you to write your own story about what your intimate relationships are like with other people. But if you happen to see it or you're exposed to it and you have questions or concerns, you can always come to me. I will not be angry. I am always here. And then Cara, as you mentioned, you can say, thank you for coming to me with this. Or I'm so glad you felt comfortable asking me this. So that's like the middle school vibe. The thing we're going to end with is the conversations with adolescents who have most likely seen porn, who might also be involved in their own sexual relationships in person with somebody else. And so those conversations become a little bit more sophisticated and with a little bit more layering on top. So Cara, how would you start a conversation with a teenager about porn. Right. So there are two versions. Version one is you've never talked to this teenager before about porn. Version two is going to be, this is not your first rodeo, 
with this kid. Okay. That's the title of our next book. This is not your first rodeo. (laughs) So for the one with whom you've never spoken about porn, my advice is to start the conversation by saying exactly that. I have never talked to you about porn. I haven't done it for these one or two or three reasons. It freaked me out. I didn't realize I should. I didn't realize so many kids your age are online watching porn. I didn't know how to talk to you about it. I didn't grow up exposed to any of this stuff. And so it's hard for me to imagine what it's like for you. I didn't grow up talking about anything like this in my home. I mean, you can give any reason. It's important to give the context about why you haven't brought it up yet. A hundred percent. Own it. Own it, own it, own it. Own it. And don't, you're not apologizing. You're saying, I haven't done yet because, and then you say, but I realize I need to be doing this. And we're not going to have one big conversation about it, but I am going to bring it up with you regularly over time. At the dinner table. At the dinner table. (laughs) I mean, okay, so... This brings up the, it's not my first rodeo. In in the episode with our kids, Samson and Talia, you know, Talia jokes about how at my dinner table, it's like, how was school today? And let's talk about porn. But what's interesting is my two kids have very different experiences through the conversation. And this is, you know, for people who have had talks with their kids about it, how do you re-engage? So with one of my kids, it's much easier. I bring it up. I say, hey, I just want to check in with you about this. You know, do you have friends who are watching it regularly? Do you have any concerns about what the expectations are of you based upon porn culture? You know, yeah. And this kid engages in the conversation, no problem, gives me what I need. I give this kid what they need, right? My other kid does not engage in the conversation. And I think what happened with that particular kid is, In middle school, there was a birthday party. There was porn being viewed on someone's phone in the corner. That kid came home from the birthday party, told me, I said, thank you for telling me. We started the conversation, but it became very clear that because of the disclosure, I was feeling very free to bring up the conversation about porn all the time. And this particular child of mine did not want to engage on the topic. And so... It was their way of kind of going, oh, I started this snowball rolling downhill and I did not mean to, and I don't want to go there. And so it's, believe it or not, with this particular child, it's harder to have the conversation multiple times because every time I try to bring it up in a different direction, I get a different kind of resistance. And that's, again, to the do-over. You know, we always talk about the do-over. I am constantly taking a do-over with this particular kid on this topic. And I keep trying to go in different ways. I haven't figured it out yet. But to both of our credits, we both know it's not a topic that's going away. So I just have to find my in. I think that's a really important segue to say, sometimes you just have to give them information and it's not going to be a conversation and it's not going to be like a mind meld. It's just going to be an opportunity for you to give your kid information. Like for instance, that people naturally have pubic hair. 
right? So if you have a 15-year-old kid who's only seen porn and never seen a naked body, they may not know that females have hair on their vulvas because they've only seen naked bodies in porn and those naked bodies have no hair on their vulvas. Or I love how you tee up a future episode. (laughs) (laughs) The episode's called Hair on Their Vulvas. (laughs) Hairless. Hairless. (laughs) Or, you know, that the penises that they might see in porn, people are cast purposefully who have larger penises because porn makers believe that that makes porn more interesting, exciting if people have very large penises. But the truth is most people's penises are not the same size as what is visible in porn. And you want to reassure them like, no, you're probably not going to have an eight inch penis or your sexual partner is probably not going to have an eight inch penis if you've seen that in porn. Okay. I know we usually end with a takeaway, but today we're not ending with a takeaway. We're ending with a story that I may or may not have already told about my anatomy lab in medical school. Have I told you this story? No, but I'm the best. Okay. Because the conversation on porn is to be continued in so many ways, we are going to leave the conversation there and end with this story. I'm bringing it to an abrupt end because the conversation is really not over. We're just beginning. Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger, da, da, da. Okay, here's my anatomy lab story. Everyone in their first year of medical school dissects a cadaver. A cadaver is a human body that has been donated to a medical school lab so that medical students can dissect the body and learn about anatomy in a very tangible way. Like literally, it's the most tangible form of learning ever. And I was in a group with three other people and From minute one, the thing that was most noticeable about our cadaver was the size of its penis, okay? And everyone, have I not told you this story? No. Everyone in the whole class would comment on the size of our cadaver's penis. When it came time to do the penile dissection, our cadaver had an implant, okay? You should see Vanessa's face right now. It didn't look like it was particularly consistent with normal human proportions. And in fact, it turned out not to be. Did all the people with penises in your medical school class like breathe a sigh of relief? Let me just tell you, there was commotion when we did the (laughs) penis because people that were, I told you so, and this, that, and that. So I'm just pointing out that penile size is a huge issue and plastic surgery is a huge issue and plastic surgery in the porn industry is a huge issue and all of these three things these threads do come together and there is such a thing as sort of what you see may not be real which we of course know in this very digital world but even in the cadaver lab of Johns Hopkins Hospital where there were a bunch of us very nerdy medical school people everyone took note of what was happening with our cadaver and the relief, the relief when it was not a, I can't compete, right? And it's not to say that there isn't a very large range of normal in all physical traits. There's a very wide span of normal, but sometimes it just does feel better to know that what you're seeing is not quote unquote real. That story is amazing. So to all of you out there 
who have been putting off the first conversation about pornography with your kid, you can do it. We're here for you. If you want to record Kara saying all of her reassuring things and just play it, all the power to you. But just remember, go out and have the conversation because ultimately it is so important for your kid to hear it from you and not from someone else. So we are here by your side, cheering you on. And if you screw up, when you screw up, it's okay. Take a do-over and go back because I promise your kid will benefit from that do-over as well. Thank you, Vanessa. I'm just like picturing you standing over a cadaver with a huge penis and I can't stop laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, Cara. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts or check out our Instagram at The Puberty Podcast. If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. And for more puberty info, check out myoomla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.